Hey, welcome to those in the room. Welcome to those online. I hope that you were blessed earlier today by Pastor Steve's testimony at our morning services. We asked Pastor Steve if he would come back and chat. Uh, I said second service, uh, I, I referenced back to our DNA series that we did in 2020 when church was weird and online and everything else. But God who redeems did a, a neat work out of it is we ended up having a, a pretty neat series of conversations on Wednesday evening with people who were willing to have conversations with us. And uh, it, was, it was such a great format, we thought we'd bring it back mm -hmm. this evening. For those who might not have been with us this morning, Steve, can you give us the, the two-minute version of your testimony and <laughs> sure. the story that you shared? Sure. Um, first, though, um, the is it your Facebook post that this, or Facebook that this Church. Okay, and it's CC Wichita. CC Wichita. Yeah. Okay, Monica, can you put that put that out there? If you guys have phones, you might want to put that out there to your friends. Um, so two minute version. Calvary Chapel, yeah, Cal Calvary Chapel, Wichita. Um, and if and if by the way, if you're already tuning in. Looking forward to this conversation. Um, a little bit later, we'll, we'll take questions, and feel free to throw those questions up in the comments, and uh, they'll get relayed to me up here at the table. <laughs> sure, so, I, um, so in uh, 2014, um, I was diagnosed with the stage four renal cell carcinoma. Um, I had multiple surgeries. Um, the first one was to remove my kidney, and then the other three, um, was to get rid of the cancer out of my uh, nerves, my spine, my muscles. Um, and then they implemented uh, rods and screws from T10 to pelvic. And uh, they took out my L2, L3 and put a cage in there. And so I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to, uh, how to just uh, really interact. It was such a dark time. Uh, really difficult uh, to even go back in the ministry. I was out of the pulpit for six months. And uh, so I just, uh, for uh, years and years, I, I dealt with all these different things. Almost died three or four times. And uh, the Lord just kept bringing me back. And so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, from then to now, it's just been um, a fight, but a good fight. And we started Stage 4 Ministries so that we can minister to people that are going through the same thing. And uh, they can... Uh, finally find some sort of, of um, camaraderie and peace, knowing that other people go through the similar things, and so they're able to, to uh, keep going, rather than say, oh, well, I got cancer and I've only got six months. You know, there's studies that have been shown that if a doctor gives somebody a time frame and says, you have six months, then they will live six months. If they say two years, they'll live two years. Um, so it's best to just... Put your life in God's hands and keep going forward and saying, my life is Christ, and if I live, I live for him, and if I die, it's gain. I've got friends who are doctors, nurses, um, PAs, some of whom have dealt with serious illness. And being on the other side, being a patient instead of a, a, a medical provider, in a couple cases, was, was life-changing, paradigm-shifting. As pastors... We deal with people who deal with life and everything that life throws at them. Mm -hmm. What do you know now that you didn't know before? 
<laughs> well, I, I learned how to not give trite answers, but that doesn't mean that I didn't learn uh, or I didn't get rid of um, uh, the answers that were uh, normal. So like things like, um, one of the biggest things was, uh, I, I guess I call it vomiting scripture on people where um, you know you just want to give them the word and that's exciting and that's really cool and it's great and, and God's word is awesome but um, sometimes what they need rather than like in the book of Job chapter 2 where uh, Job didn't need someone to to vomit scripture on him he needed a friend to just sit there with him and just just be there with him in, in other words be the scripture to this person rather than than say it all and then later it gives you an opportunity because later that person comes back and you're able to say this is the word and they're going oh my gosh that's what you've given me the whole time I just didn't know it didn't have the worst word yeah Job's friends were doing great until they opened their mouths yeah exactly <laughs> what else I mean we, we, we spend a lot of time with people who are sick who are yeah. dealing with with all of the ways that, that, that life confounds us sure. what surprised you what were, what were you not prepared for? Oh, gosh, uh, a lot of things, um, personally uh, and ministry-wise. Um, so going, having the pastor be the person that gets the, the diseases is, is like a, having a parent get the disease. So the whole church gets, there's doctors will say this, that if, if uh, the spouse gets cancer, the whole family gets count, uh, cancer, you know? Uh, the wife gets the cancer and everybody it's just not not literally but cancer affects everybody and so when the pastor uh, of the church gets cancer everybody's in trauma system-wide yeah it's everywhere and so everybody's in trauma everybody's um uh, brokenhearted right because they're this is the person that has loved them through weddings and have, have buried their loved ones and then have visited them in hospitals in great joy when a child is born and then so all these great life events and now all of a sudden that person might be taken away from them really soon so that part of it was surprising to me because um, you know as I mean especially as Calvary Chapel pastors I don't know the other that's the only reason why I say this I don't know the other um, denominations but Pastor Chuck drilled it into us that it, it's not about us so we don't think about, at least I didn't think about it too much about me. And, uh, and then all of a sudden they were affected. I'm thinking, why? And then it's like, oh yeah, that's why. And, and then the other, the other thing um, personally was um, that I didn't expect the darkness that I went through. I didn't expect to, um, I, I saw, I was on drugs, but I saw some really demonic uh, images. And, um, and so much so that I told them, I don't want that. Whatever you gave me, I never want that again. But, um, but it was a darkness, a sadness, um, a point to where um, I, I was looking at a knife and thinking, that looks really good. You know, and of course, like, like Elijah, like Job, like Jonah, like Paul, you know, they despaired of life. They weren't going to kill themselves. And the same thing, but I wasn't going to kill myself, I don't think. <laughs> But at, but it was like wow you know but, I could but it was a thought you were entertaining yes I could I could end this and I, it could be over um, and so uh, I didn't expect that I didn't expect that darkness and um, so that was a and I didn't expect to cry all the time my wife will tell you that before that I was the quintessential guy you know 
I didn't cry at almost anything or anything like that, but I did cry at, um, at you know, chick flicks. I'm sorry. I just, I, I just had to. You know. It got me good with the wife, you know, when I didn't want to do that. But other than that, so I was a pretty tough guy. Well-intentioned Christians will, will respond to the darkness, to the depression with, with almost rebuke. Well, yes. well, Jesus loves you, and you need to know that God is in control, yes. and you need to keep trusting him, and it's sin to be sad. Yes. Well, um, in my book, I have a chapter on that, and it's called Dealing with Depression. And I, So what my book basically is, is a, um, it's a testimony, and then it's 11 chapters of Bible studies that I basically just <clears throat> had to come out of me to minister to people. And so um, I have one in here dealing with depression, and I talk about this very thing. It's that um, when we go through these things, um, if it's a sin to be like that, then the whole book of Psalms wouldn't be here, right? Because David is just like one big giant mess, right? <laughs> and so God uses that. Now, I don't think we, we need to live there all the time, right? We need to come out of it somehow. But, um, but the best thing that we can do to get out of that is to exactly what happened with Job is to get into the presence of God and to to see a, a revelation of Him because um, you know in John um, saw a revelation of Jesus Christ that's why it's not revelations it's revelation um, and I think the the book of, that's similar to that book believe it or not is the book of Job especially in Job chapter thirty nine through forty two or through forty. And it's because Job gets that same experience. God reveals himself, and Job says, Oh my God, right? And he says, Wow, I didn't know this before, but now I do. I get it now. And so if we can get that mind in our mind, um, and we can change that mind of thinking about self and, and, and completely in, in, on the situation, and we can just say... Jesus, you know, and we can just um, and and have Him reveal Himself to us. It goes away. It 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 doesn't go away forever. We're human beings, so we're going to wallow and we're going to go back and we're going to wallow. But it does take you to the next step. What did you learn? You you mentioned Job. You mentioned Elijah, and of course God redeems. And one of the lessons of of their story and David's story is is that God brings learning, growth, healing out of those dark places. Are there things that you'd be willing to share that, that God spoke to you and encouraged you with? No. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> <Let's pray. laughs> That's right. We're done. Um, so, yes, uh, sure. Um, so, I didn't expect to be crying all the time. And um, I was just bawling. Like, any time someone came over, I got to the point where I didn't want to see anybody anymore. I really um, closed myself up. And I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to see anybody, I didn't want to talk to anybody. And so my wife went out and bought me some books. And um, she said, you know, what books do you think you would, what you would like? And, and I told her, I don't know. And she came back with some books. And the one I think that was the most important to me, and I don't know what people think about this, but it was Brother Lawrence's. Um, practicing the presence of God. And basically that entire book, you can throw away 
everything but his letters. Because everything but his letters are like pontification and just like how wonderful this guy was, which if he read that, he would probably tell them, you guys are all going to hell. I mean, like <laughs> literally. Um, but he, uh, he, he was a monk that got uh, saved, literally. And the other monks are going, wait a minute, you sinned, but you got back up and you, you got back to work like as if your sin is really forgiven. How do you know that? Well, I was in the presence of God, and Jesus died for my sin, and now I can get back up and keep, and keep going and, and not stay there. And so they were blown away by this guy. And, and the book, at least the letters, were so important to me because they, they revealed a heart of a person that wanted to be in the presence of God, and that's what I wanted. And then um, the, even friends would come over and... I think I was saying things that were very profound because the, a lot of times the, the musings of a dying person are, are very, how can I say, they're, they're so much so where... Well, you're, you're standing staring at eternity. Yes. So you're, you're thinking about the big things. That's exactly what was happening. So, so I was talking to some friends that came over and I remember it well. We, I was laying in bed and my wife next to me and them two were sitting over, or, I don't know if they were standing or sitting over the side. And, and I was saying all this stuff, crying, and they're like, you know, they're, they're just, jaws are dropping, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I saying? Did I say something wrong or something? But it was just because, um, and I didn't even know what I was saying. It was just coming out of me, and as I was coming out of me, I was like, oh wow. It's just um, the depth that you get. Um, there is a, um, there is a, uh, oh, what's that? Well, anyway, it's this, it's you learn in those dark places. You, that's where Moses was called up to the dark place. You, know, um, uh, you learn who God is in those places. Um, now you can, you can know God, you can love God, and not experience, you know, not go through things, and you can love the Lord. But when you do get to that pain and that difficulty, and God reveals himself, it's like, it's like a light comes on. <laughs> literally and you're just like wow I never knew this and so you do get some survivor's guilt where um, you know you uh, whatever it might be you know I, I remember being very cranky and, um, and upsetting my wife and then it breaking my heart afterwards because I was thinking wow I why did God leave me here if God why did God put me here if that's what I'm gonna if that's what I'm gonna do why, why am I here? So I need, to, I need to not be like that. And so it, it did become really crazy for a little while. And then I had to realize, okay, wait a minute. I'm, I just have to live my life as a believer. This is what God has done. And I need to live my life as a believer and then tell everybody I can about Jesus. Yeah. And that's what, that was the same thing as before. Right. <laughs> so, right. yeah. can, I, can I share a Greg story? Would that be okay? Because it, it, it reminds me of... of the last conversation I had with Greg, um, because Greg and I would banter about all manner of things, about politics, about theology, and we agreed on almost nothing. <laughs> um, you know, Israel and, and it, um, I could list the things that we agreed on, it would be a much shorter list than the things we disagreed on. But the last conversation I had with him, um, when, when, when he was in that place, um, 
he, he grabbed me and he said, I love you. Mm. And nothing else matters. Mm. And, and I knew that. I knew that. I had known that for as long as I'd known him. Mm. But, but the, the superfluous stuff just, just yep. dropped away. Yep. I mean, that was, I don't think you were there, but that was, that was a complete reordering of priorities. It was, it was, it was profound. Did you ever think about giving up? You talked about look, looking at the knife. I remember one of my mentors, one of the, one of the people who taught me ministry um, as a young believer had liver cancer. Mm -hmm. And I remember visiting him in the hospital and he was, he was incredibly thin. He had gone from, from being a, a, a strong muscular guy to emaciated and fragile and, and he grabbed my wrist mm -hmm. and he said, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you're, you're, you're an elder of the, you taught me Jesus. Yes. Were you afraid? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this is the, I talked about this earlier today, but um, so what happens is you, um, you're not afraid to die. You're afraid of the process. So you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to stop breathing and what that's going to do to you, and or are you just going to be in horrible pain and then, um, and and then it, and then whatever happens, the tumor just grows so much it explodes, and you're like in horrible pain until you finally take your last breath. You don't know what that is. What's going to happen? And um, you know, and you start thinking it would a heart attack would be really nice around, right? You know, saying that kind of stuff. Um, I. Uh, so then one night, I was probably home probably seven months and, um, from, the, from the surgeries, and I, my heart was beating out of my chest. As soon as I, I woke me up, it was beating so bad. My left arm was going numb, and, my, um, and I was just like, I'm, I'm going to die right now. And so I actually opened up a notes app on my phone, and I uh, wrote a note to my wife. And I just wrote a goodbye to her because I, I thought that I, that was going to be it. Um, you do get afraid. I'm not afraid to see Jesus, but I'm afraid of that process. And um, you do, so I talk about this in the book too. Um, so when I got released from the hospital, I was put into physical rehab. And, um, and so that night, I was just a mess. I was just drugs and all kinds of stuff. And so that night, I'm, I'm uh, in my room, and they're going to shower me, and uh, because I couldn't do hardly anything, and um, I have this wound, you know, it, it only I, I think it was had been a month since surgery at that time, and uh, so I was all terrified. What, how are you going to shower me? How, is it going to get wet? It's going to get infected. What's going to happen? And so um, I, uh, I was crying. And the doctor came, and he uh, knelt down by me, and he said, uh, he said, Steve, you can't give up. And I said, I already gave up. I gave up last night. I told the Lord, I said, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm ready to go home. And he said, well, are you married? Do you have any kids? And I said, yes. And they're better off without me because they don't have to take care of me. They don't have to do anything for me. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm done. 
And he looked at me and he said, do you believe in God? And I said, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to feel this way. And so he said, uh, he said, well, God believes in you. So you can't give up. And I said, okay. And then they put plastic on my back and put me in the shower and shh, like a water hose and hosed me off, got me all clean. I felt better. Um, I look like uh, the, um, uh, the abominable snowman in the uh, Monsters, Inc. You know, the big giant, like I had all these whiskers going out all over the place. I hadn't shaved in a month and a half. And so I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, oh, no. And I had turned completely white from the, from the chemo. All my hair was white. Everything was white. And, um, and so I, uh, uh, I got a shave and I uh, started feeling a lot better. And that, that helped me out. But, yeah, I was, I was done. I was ready to give up. I, I had no strength left. And, um, and so, yeah, it's the process. Even now, like, I get a scan in probably, I think, two months. Um, and when those scans come, I'm, like, I'm always like, okay, what are they going to find? And then what's that answer? And then once I get that answer, I've always told people that it's just news. It's not, it's not good news. It's not bad news. It's just news. And it's just news that you've got to make a decision on. And if it's like you have cancer everywhere, then, then the decision has to be, well, I've got to start preparing for being with the Lord. If it's, you know, hey, you're cancer-free, then, hey, I've got to be prepared to go tell people about the Lord. <laughs> so. so, I mean, that was a word fitly spoken oh, yeah. to you, that, oh, yeah. that God believes in you. But that's not a one-size-fits-all, you know, tuck that in your Bible and pull it out at the appropriate <laughs> time. What are, what are the principles? What are the, the things that, that you impart to, to people who love people mm-hmm. with cancer or, or other terminal illness? What are, what are the, 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 the guidelines, if, if you will, for how to love people sure. dealing, dealing with this sort of thing? Well, sure. Um, part of the guideline uh, for me comes out of uh, Exodus 2, 24 through 25. And it says um, that God heard their grumblings and of the children of Israel. Um, and he, um, he saw what was going on. He looked upon them and he acknowledged them. So one of the first things that has to happen is the acknowledgement. Just go to them and love them and be quiet. You know, just don't say anything. And the second thing is when they say something, be quiet. <laughs> Third thing is, be quiet. No. The, uh, so, I, right after, um, I was ministering to a, a couple, and, um, and the wife died. He, he woke up, or he uh, came home from work and found her. And, um, and he said some, some of the strangest things to me that were totally unbiblical. And, um, and you know what I did? I, I whipped him with the word, man. I just beat him. No, I didn't. I, what I did is I said... That's why you want the big Bible. Yeah, that's why you want to get the bigger Bible, man. It really knocks the word into him. But what I did was I said, oh, hmm, yeah. Because right now, I'm just acknowledging his pain. I'm just walking with him in it. You know, it's not my job to correct him. It's not my job to correct his theology. That'll come later. So, and it did. As he started coming to the church more... Um, he started to get the word and he started to grow in, in, in the Lord and became more mature. So, but if I would have jumped down his neck immediately, I think he would have just left. 
And then there's a person that is not being fruitful in the Lord. So, um, and then uh, the, the next thing I think is, so it's important to listen, encourage, and pray, right? Um, and then it's important to, uh, when they talk, um, be compassionate and be full of grace for them. It's important that you do that. Um, the next thing was, um, Christians immediately want to um, stuff Scripture down throats rather than um, to uh, be the Word to people. And so the next thing is to just be the Word, and that gives you an opportunity to share the Word. It really does. And, and then through it out, throughout the whole time, as victories are happening and, and, um, and then defeats are happening, be there with that person. Just, just uh, do this. This is what I do, even with guys today. I'll, um, I'll text the guy and I'll say, how's it going, man? Are you, are you doing okay? I don't, I'm not intrusive or anything like that. I'll just, how's it going? Are, is, what was your last scan like? Well, you know, I, I saw that you posted on Facebook this. What's going on here? And so I just make sure that they understand. Present. They understand, yeah, that I'm there. A presence ministry. Just they understand that I'm there. And that's, I think, anybody can do that. That's not just a pastoral ministry. Any Christian can do that for, for their friends. And just to make sure, and especially, especially, this is important, about three months after. Because the first month, everybody is there. Yeah. Everybody wants to, uh, to be there and, and minister to that person. And, and they're all go and weep with them and all that sort of thing. And that's great. But... The second month, it wanes. The third month, nobody cares because they're out of sight, out of mind. That's when you, as the mature Christian, should text them. You know, it doesn't have to be intrusive. Text them, call them, say, hey, you know, I was thinking about you. I thought I would say uh, hi. And you don't have to talk to them for three hours, but sometimes it does turn into an hour. And that is something that I learned is that, you know, you know, as a pastor, there's always a one person that'll come up to you that's the person that you go, oh no, because I'm going to be here for two hours if I talk to this person, or at least an hour if I talk to this person. And, uh, but you know what? When you think about life, it's only an hour. You know? And, and for me, if that person wants to talk to me for that, for that long, and I understand we have things to do and all that kind of stuff, but if that person needs that time, and just to, and I don't do it all the time, but I can give them, you know, an hour a month, or I can give them every couple of months, they can call me and we can talk for what happened the last two months. So I think those kind of things are very important to, uh, to be around. Then you can start to bring in the scripture, and, and, um, and so you're, being, you're already being the scripture to them, you're already being Jesus to them, and so they, they're already seeing Jesus, and then the scripture comes in behind, and they're like, oh, that's what I've known this whole time. So that's, that's what stage four ministry is, and that's what we do. Yeah. It, it's talking about that three month after, um, you know, after, after the medical care has become a little bit routine and after the family and friends uh, dissipate. It's a lot like disaster relief ministry. It really we, is, we, yes. We were talking about ministry after the Joplin tornado yesterday. Yes. And for those first days, for those first weeks, there, there are more first responders, there are more boots on the ground than, yes. than there's room on the ground. Mm -hmm. But after uh, 
the that first wave of responders pulls out, the need is still there. The need remains there for months yes. or years. You're, you're exactly right, and that's that's kind of where I got it from. Uh, one of the things that Fort Smith, the people in Fort Smith, just loved doing disaster relief. I mean, they just they loved it. So we went. I mean, so much so we even uh, were on the show Extreme Makeover Home Edition, and we were in uh, New Orleans. And we, um, we built a church, and then we built a home for a family in the Ninth Ward. So, um, but we just loved it. We love doing that kind of stuff. Our, our church, there's a bunch of guys in the church that really like. One guy in particular was from Oregon, and he loved using his chainsaw. And he was pretty dangerous, actually. He cut one tree, and that thing flew in the air. Oh, man, it was crazy. But um, anyway, what we learned is that if you went in that first week, because um, everybody wants to. And if you went in that first week, there was nothing to do because there were so many people. Yeah. And, and at that point, the volunteer it's coordinators... Hurry up and wait. Yeah, and the volunteer coordinators are freaking out. They don't even know how to, how to give all these people jobs. So they're like, uh, I don't know, pull weeds. You know, and that's kind of how it works. But if you come in like three weeks later and you say, what can I do? Volunteers are like, okay, we need this. Yeah. We've lost this big church who came in at the first week and now we need to cover this. And so there's lots to do. Well, it's like it's like the tornado in Andover last week. You know, the, almost immediately they said, "Don't come to Andover." Yes. And give us a few days, and once we get an infrastructure set up, then we can we can use the manpower. But please right. don't come yet. Because everybody wants to be the first one. Yeah. Right. Well, um, and and when it comes to a, um, a terminally ill patient or a, or a cancer patient or something like that, um, people going through horrible times in their life. Um, People forget about them. And so um, that happened with us. So, you know, we, six months out of the pulpit, there were new people. They had no clue who I was, right? So, I don't know, and they left. So when I came back, so I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of them did. But, um, but it was, after a while, people just were like, well, okay, we're moving on to something else. And, and it makes sense. You know, everybody has their life to live. But to be mindful of that and to, when I got a call from somebody like six months in and they said, hey, I just called to see how you were doing. I was like, I gave me wings. It did. I, made, I felt so good. I would, I would tell my wife, oh, do, you know, yeah, do you know who that was? And she'd go, who? And I'd tell, tell her and she'd go, oh my gosh, that's great. You know, and I would just, it, it would be, it would make me feel so much better. And so that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be that person that when we hang up, that person goes to their wife and says, do you know who that was on the phone? <laughs> that was a friend. That's who it was. So. I mean, the, 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 the analogy makes sense because trauma is trauma, whether it's on a it citywide is. scale or a national scale or on a very personal scale. Um, some of my first experience with disaster relief was after September 11th doing ministry at Ground Zero. Yeah. And one of the... One of the things that we told people coming in is put away your, your Romans Road, put away your four spiritual laws, yeah. put away your good person test, ask people where were you, ask people who did you know, and that would start a conversation, a lot like Jesus started a conversation with the woman at the well about, exactly about, right. about, about a particular day, your message this morning, <laughs> yeah. you know, things that happen on a particular day. What are... What are the what are the what are the what are the questions to ask? A lot of people, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to them. Sure, I, I haven't talked to them since the diagnosis, and I know I should have, but I didn't. And now it's been a month, and it's awkward. And what do I say? 
Well, um, so one of the things I learned is not to say, how are you doing? Because the answer is, I'm dying, how are you? <laughs> I said that to somebody. They said, how are you doing? I said, I'm dying, how are you? And they were like, uh, 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 and I said, laugh a little, come on, man. Um, so I, I learned to say things like, how are you holding up? Or what was, you know, how are you feeling right now? Right now, you know, how, what can I do? And it's usually, I would say it, it would be better to do something than to ask to do it. And that sounds weird, but if someone said to me, um, what do you need done at the house? I would say, nothing. Because I don't know. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to survive cancer, right? And, um, and so, you know, it would have been great if somebody would have come over and said, man, their gutters are messed up. I need to clean those gutters. Let me clean those gutters for them. You know, that kind of thing. But it's, it's sort of the opposite of, of everything that I learned in counseling uh, <laughs> that, that, that I had to unlearn along the way. Because yeah. in, in trauma counseling um, or in, in you know, certain kinds of hospital visits, the open-ended questions that we were taught, oh, those are the powerful questions. And they're out the window because it's, it's too much. It's too it broad. Is. It's, it's, it's the, the weight of how are you doing or what do you need? I don't know. I need so many things. Yes. What's one thing I can do for you? Hey, I'm going to bring you food. Yes. What would you like? Well, you know, I knew, by the way, I knew that when my wife was doing good, I was doing good. So if someone did something special for her, like if the ladies got together and, and got her something or, or, you know, like a day spa or something or something where she could just go away or... I really appreciated when they when she was taken care of. Um, so, the questions um, to ask uh, are are really I don't know if there's so many questions. I think there's more um, being there for them um, and and loving them. I call up and I just say um, like when I'm I I have several people right now that are dealing with cancer and so I'll, I'll call them up and or or other things that are trauma and I'll call them up and I'll just say. Hey, what's going on? And then all of a sudden we start talking, and wow, that's cool, you know. Or, or I'll talk, ask them specifically about something um, that they're excited about because I've I've known them, I've had a little bit of a relationship. So when I know it's something good, I'll say something like, "Wow, that," or or even something bad like chemo. I'll say, "Well, man, that chemo's tough, isn't it?" Oh yeah, it is. It really kicked my butt this week, you know. And oh, really? So you're really fatigued. Yes, and all of a sudden now we're talking, you know. And when we get off the phone... You're building he, a bridge. Yeah, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be an hour-long conversation because, you know, honestly, we're tired. We want to talk, we do, but we're exhausted from the medications and all this sort of thing. So um, we want to talk, but at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's best to, to spend about 10 minutes with the, with the patient and then say, okay, man, I love you, can I pray for you? And then just let them be the guide at that point. Because if after the prayer they go, okay, so then you know, okay, then, then you can talk to them for a little longer. Because they just want to be encouraged. Um, but we've, I've dealt with people that have lost their spouses. I've, I've dealt with people that have, it's a trauma. It's a, it's a big trauma. And uh, so that with cancer and then with other difficulties, um, yeah, you, just, you have to just be there. You just have to be 
present. And, and mine is, a lot of them are text. Just, I text them and say, thinking about you, you know, praying for you. Thanks, buddy. You know, that I'll get that back. Because so, it's, it's a little less intrusive. They can respond on their own timing. They can, yes. Yes, that is something that, it just depends. Because I talked to one guy who has RCC and a doctor friend of mine said, um, hey, this person uh, has RCC. And um, if you, uh, I told him about your ministry, and if, uh, I told him that uh, he could call you. And so is it okay if I give him your cell phone? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. So I talked to that guy, and I let him be the guide. You know, he, didn't, he was an older gentleman, and he wanted to speak for about mm, 10 minutes. And that was about it. And, um, and he was, you know, just in that mode, you know, where on one side is, praise God, I'm going to get through it. Everything's going to be wonderful. And then I'm crying. And then, and then, oh, well, I have medication this week, or I have to do this, and all over the place. And that's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons why I like the book of Job, because it, it means I'm a sane person. You know what I'm saying? Because Job has all these issues you're, and all these things. You're having a sane reaction to <laughs> an insane situation. Exactly. So I sit there and go, Job, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get you. I totally get you. <laughs> right? Well, how long am I going to deal with my friends? You know? And so you just let that person be um, your guide in that respect. And then also be sensitive to the Lord as the, as the Spirit moves. He's going to tell you um, what you need to say. It's important, I think, to, um, uh, to not cold call, but have uh, some sort of relationship with that person. Uh, cold calls are usually not good at all. Um, so when someone says, hey, this person has cancer, um, can you talk to them? Can you call them? I'll say no. Yeah. No. Yeah. When they're ready, I, have I them. I am Patrick. You don't know me, but I'm a pastor in town. Yeah. <laughs> My dad told you to call, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. I've, and I've had a few of those. And <laughs> they do not like you. <laughs> and there's no way to minister. No. And so they, so I'll tell them, I'll tell them, you know what? I, I love them and I'll pray for them. And I love you. So don't get this wrong. Because I've done it before. I've called these people. And I'll say, um, I love you and I love them, but they have to be the one because they have to be ready. If they're not ready, they're not going to receive anything I say. Right. So there has to be some sort of rapport with that person. You know, some, you have to know that person. But um, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. You know, just, just be there with them. And, uh, and then a lot of times they'll ask, they'll, they'll ask, they'll, you'll, you'll see, they'll, they'll say something. Or, or you can say, can I pray for you? Uh, I'd love to pray for you. How can I pray for you? And they'll say, oh, uh, man, I'm going through this right now, and I need, I need prayer for this. So I think that's important. Yeah. Walk from one side of Manhattan to the other side one afternoon just with the idea that we were going to pray with everybody that we ran into. Only one person the whole day said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. Um, it, it's, it's surprising how effective that is as, a, is. as an icebreaker, as a, what, a bridge builder. It is. And one of the things that... Um, so now, Sandy Adams is not my best friend, but I, I love him and, and I know him and he, we are friends. But... Um, he taught me something by osmosis. So um, a bunch of us were out. He, he came to lunch with a bunch of us pastors and pastors' wives um, from the conference. We were at the, at the conference in Atlanta. And, um, and he, right before we're, they got all the food out, the, the servers came, and they were all sweating and everything, and because um, they, had, they had like 50 people to get food for. And so right when we're about to pray... Sandy looks at the waiter and goes, we're going to pray. Is there anything we can pray for you for? 
And the, and the guy looked and said, oh my gosh. And he got on his knees and said, he started crying and he said, I, I lost my house today, my, my uh, apartment. I'm, I'm homeless right now. I don't know what to do. And I need prayer for it. And so you'd be surprised doing that. Like whenever we're out, we try to do this when we're out to eat. It just depends. Sometimes we can't. But we'll say to the person, because um, we're praying anyway, right? We're going to pray out in the open anyway. So we'll say to the person, um, hey, how can we pray for you? And like you, maybe one or two people in 15 years that has said no. And, and they, there's a real no sometimes, and they're like, no, I don't want you praying for us. So what we do is we bow our heads and we say, Lord, please bless our server. <laughs> so, but that, that is a way to do it. Just, uh, just say to the person that's going through it, just say, um, hey, how can I pray for you? And believe it or not, they're going to say, they will. They'll say, um, well, I have this problem and this problem. And oftentimes, most of the time, people don't want to share because they don't want to be a burden to somebody else. But if you are there with them and you ask something like that, they feel like here's a person that can share the burden. Sometimes, though, they start to talk too much and then you're like, oh my gosh, how can I carry this burden? Well, the point is you can't carry the burden. That's why you've got to take it to the Lord. And so both of you have to take it to the Lord and allow him to carry that burden. And you can do that together. Yeah, I mean, together, together is a big thing. Together. We were we were talking yesterday about our mutual friend uh, Gail Irwin, yeah. and something that Gail taught me, um, taught a taught a group of us, uh, was being getting on the level of the person that you're trying to minister to. And initially, he was talking about children's church, and yes. you kneel down or yes. sit down so you're not towering over small people. Yeah. Um, but he said, but if you think about it. There are a lot of applications for that, and he talked about a few, and one of them was um, hospital visits. He said, yes. how many of you sit at, the end, sit at the end of the bed when you do a hospital visit? And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, there's a place to sit. He said, do you ever think about what that's like for the person in the bed? Mm -hmm. He said, have you ever grabbed the toes of somebody uh, that, that is in bed when you're doing a hospital visit? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, and, and, what about what about being with them and yes. and just just the, the I mean really what you're saying the withness rather than ministering to what about hey be on the journey with come alongside right be a witness for Christ yeah don't yeah, Jesus never said witness <laughs> witness no witness yeah you got to be a witness for Christ <laughs> so so Monica and I met at Disneyland we were working um, together uh, she was working long enough to meet me. Uh, the mouse introduced us, I guess, and and then I worked there for another seven years, and um, or six years after that. So I worked there for seven years total, and um, and Disney back then, and now it's just I don't know, it's just I don't know what they've done. The company's just gone really downhill in in cast member quality. Back then it was really it was a lot of quality, but um, they taught us how to interact with people, and because. You know, that's, that was Disney's thing, is, is how to meet people where they were. And, um, and so whenever we had a wheelchair come through the line, we always got down on their level. So every single time, I would get down their level, and I would put my hand on the, usually on the armrest, and I'd sit there and talk to them. And especially if they were kids, I would just go eye-to-eye -eye with the kids. If they were little kids, I would actually get down on, on one knee and look at them in the eye and talk to them. And they would be like, oh, wow. Because, you know, there's this giant going, hey, are you happy today? You know, and the kid's all, ah, 
<laughs> runs behind the parent. Where if you get down there and you, you talk to them personally, they, they open up and they're smiling and they're laughing. So, but yeah, that people did do that. So when I was in the hospital, people did be at the end and you are, you're like this looking down going, hi, you know, down there. And um, uh, when they did come around, and there were a few that did, when they came around, it was so much easier. And, um, and, and it, was, it was great. Sometimes it would be overwhelming, so you have to, although I wanted them to stay longer, they needed to go you know, at that 10 or 15 minute mark. But, but yeah, it was, um, you're right, and Gail's right in that, because that was, it was really, really hard um, from, the, from the patient's perspective. You're, you're already feeling helpless. Right. You've, you've talked a lot about Monica this morning and, and, and again this afternoon. Can you talk, and, and you mentioned a moment ago, ministry to the caregiver. Can we back up and talk about the ministry of the caregiver? Mm. Um, there are some in this room who are in that role. There are some who will be. Yeah. Help us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so several ladies are trying to get Monica to write a book. So hopefully she will. Um, and prayerfully she will. So keep her in prayer for that. She has lots and lots of material to, um, to and we're swarming in her head and heart. And um, so one of them is, I'm sure that one of the chapters is going to be how I wanted to kill my husband. But, <laughs> but um, the... The ministry of the caregiver uh, is selfless. Um, and that's why um, the statistics on uh, couples when they get cancer, when, the, when one spouse gets cancer, uh, the divorce rate is insane. Through the roof. Yeah. I don't know what it is now, but when the last time I looked, it was like 70%. Yeah. And, um, and we, we actually met a guy. Um, I, I take photos, and you saw the photos if you were here earlier of surfing. And I was down there, I hadn't been there in a while. I came down there and, um, and this uh, guy who's a surfer, he saw my brace and he said, oh, did you have uh, back surgery? And no, and so we talked and he, he had um, uh, back surgery and he was back out surfing again. And, uh, and he said right there, he pointed right there, I, I um, fell off my board and went right into the pole and broke my, broke my back. And now he's back and so his neuros are mad at him, like, I'm sure, but he's back out there. But anyway, he was talking about um, uh, the caregiver from both sides and just saying how um, that he was a caregiver and then he was also a patient. And so he could see both sides. And he just, he kept saying, lauding her, just saying how, how selfless you had to be. And then he confirmed. He said, hey, most couples do not do what you guys do. Most couples are, are divorced by this point. And so um, it takes selflessness. Um, it... It also takes um, uh, patience. Uh, it takes um, knowledge. You have to educate yourself um, when you're a caregiver. Um, you have to also uh, learn how to pray um, and uh, learn how to take things to the Lord uh, that you um, that that you can't. Okay, so back it up just a little bit. Is that the man Monica married is no more. You know, she's now having to deal with a totally different person than, than I was before. So before I was able to do all kinds of things and all that stuff, we, we have this little uh, joke where we go into like um, Walmart to get water and um, she gets down and picks up the water and puts it into the cart. And then men will look at me like, 
what are you doing letting your wife do that, right? Same thing at a, um, there's a, um, stopping at an air station to get air in the tire. And she'll go down and get the, you know, put the air in the tire. And uh, we had a couple of police officers look at her <laughs> and, go, and look at me and go, what are you doing? So I'm thinking about getting a shirt that says feminist on it. So, um, but that part of, you know, among many aspects, that part of our marriage is gone where I'm not the knight in shining armor, you know, coming to save her day. So it's, it's very difficult. So she now has to get over that part of it, which is very, very difficult. And so, and then, so to be a caregiver, I think you need um, to be able to take, to have your relationship with the Lord be so solid for it to be successful. Mm -hmm. you, your relationship with it has to be so solid that um, God becomes like your husband mm -hmm. and, um, and that you, um, it's you and the Lord and then he gives you the strength to be able to take care of, of your husband or, or your wife or whomever it is that you're taking care of. Um, she can talk a way more than I can about this, and I'm sure she could write a great book on it. Um, but so she should write a book on this. She, I think she's, we've been trying to get her to write a book. A lot of the ladies have been trying to get her to write the book. And so maybe, uh, maybe next year, in next year in Jerusalem, she'll let but no, she'll, we'll see. I have a friend who has a recurring non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm -hmm. and he and his wife are not believers, and they go through this cycle, mm -hmm. and, and she talks about how every few years she loses her husband for a period of time, and she doesn't have the Lord to turn to, and she, she, um, has ended up losing friends because she clings to her friends yes. so hard during those seasons when her husband is not emotionally available the, the, the same way. And um, their marriage is still together, but there's, there's some, some wreckage in the, in, in the wake because they don't have the Lord to turn to. Right, and I think that's what's important. Like, so secular marriages that stay together are usually because um, the caregiver is just is a very unselfish person, but you don't find that very often in the world. So it's only like 30% of that. But yeah, it has to be a person that just basically they become a doctor or nurse, and um, and then they have a patient to take care of that God has given them a patient to take care of. Um, and and I don't mean that in a way where like she doesn't love me and she doesn't you know and care about me and all that sort of thing. Um, but she has to have that from the Lord, that she has to have that solid relationship with the Lord, and, and that's who gives her that ability to love and to take care of me. So, yeah, it's, 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 an, it's very important. So what have, you, what have you learned? And obviously everybody is different, and mm -hmm. you know, the analogy is listen and pay attention, but how do we, how do we love and serve the caregivers among us? Hmm. Well, that's really tough um, because caregivers are usually people that are... are um, I'm fine. Yes, because that's their nature, right? That's, that's why they're caregivers. Um, it's also tough because, um, it's because people don't understand. So they might say a few words and then all of a sudden they get like the deer in the headlights, look back at them, you know, like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. 
and then it's like, oh, okay. Or they get the pat answers. Like when they want a friend and say, look, my husband's doing this and this and this, and then they get, well, you just got to love Jesus. You just got to love him read because your Bible, that's what, pray every day. read your Bible and that, that'll, that's, all, that's all you need is to read your Bible and then everything, rainbows and butterflies. Um, those are, I think those are immature answers because to say that to a pastor's wife who has been in the word for probably <laughs> solidly in the word for 30 years, um, oh, you just got a little bit more and everything will be good. <laughs> you know, it's like, eh. Sometimes the pastor's Are wife... Are reading it on your knees? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on your toes. Um, so what needs to happen is uh, I think the, the most important thing that I think that for a pastor's wife, I mean for a, a caregiver, is to let them vent, to have a friend that they can listen to that's not going to judge them, that's not going to say all these things to them, but just lets them vent and... Monica has friends, uh, at least one, that she can do, she can talk to, and um, and that's and that's I think that's a good thing because you know that the she needs to get that out because if she starts venting to me, then all of a sudden we're at at war, you know, and um, so she needs that outlet, and um, and then um, just being able to I guess. Uh, um, keeping them in prayer. I can't tell you how much that we've been around the country and people come up to us and go, we've been praying for you. Like, how do you even know us, <laughs> right? Around the world, really, people have been praying for us and we're like, how do you know us? And, um, and people think, well, all we can do is pray. Well, no, the first thing we can do is pray yeah. and then we, the second thing and the middle thing and the end thing is pray. Because uh, it really does work. It really does work. We, we, to, can, we can do more than pray after we've prayed, but we can't do more than pray until we've prayed. Right. But to get that request before the Lord um, is the most important because then it, it gets us in the place of being, um, having God reveal himself to us. And then that gives us the wings we need to continue, to keep going. And so I think it's important to do that. It's important to listen um, to encourage and to pray for the caregiver. I keep saying that, don't I? Listen, encourage, and pray. But, but <laughs> because it makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that that has occurred to me a couple times in our conversation is how important it is to have community before we need community. Oh, if we're yes, if yes. we're knowing and being known, mm -hmm. if if we're being vulnerable and transparent, letting people into our lives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, giving of our time to be in other people's lives, then everything we're talking about is a lot easier. Yeah. Because there isn't the need for the fact-finding mission. We we know people. Yes. And and so we have a, a head start on how to love them. The details might change because of the circumstances, but but the relationship is already there. Absolutely, a hundred percent. It's important for, um, for us to be in fellowship with one another. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling together of one another, especially as we see the day coming. And we do see the day coming. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We are now, I love the line, we are now closer than we've ever been to the Lord returning. So it's great. Um, but, but to be in fellowship with one another um, uh, gives us so many other opportunities. 
And so when one part of the body is hurting, the other part of the body can, can help. And um, it's, the, I think it's the most important thing to have a community. And then to have a community after um, the cancer hits or whatever else, the storm hits in your life, it's, it's important to have a community there too. And, and that's what we want to do with stage four is to have that kind of community where um, people, and I talked about this earlier today, but I can't tell you how important it was for me to be at my first relay for, for like, it was like my first and last. I think I did one more. But it was so important to, for me because I was listening to cancer patients that have survived for 25, 28, 30 years as, as cancer patients. And I was like, wait a minute, I always thought you just died when you got cancer. And so to have that community was super important because everybody's on a different journey, right? Um, when I first went into Hell South, it was a Saturday, so there was, it wasn't really intense um, uh, physical therapy yet. And so we were just all sitting around in a, in a group. And, um, and there were all these different people there. And one person had, um, she had these big um, stitches in her head from like one from the back all the way to the front of her head. Another person, uh, they uh, couldn't use their legs. Or, um, another person was, um, uh, was they, they had been in a car accident, wrapped their, their car around a telephone pole, just all these different things. They were all around. And I thought, you know, Jesus would be with these people. And I thought, wow, Jesus is with these people. Right? This is what's happening here. And that's why I've always, I've always thought this, is that no matter where I'm at, I don't think that I'm the worst person in the room. You know, sometimes we, we get this mindset of like, nobody's gone through what I've gone through, right? And then also... My pain's worse than your pain. Yeah, exactly. And we, we have Elijah syndrome, right? We're in a cave going... And, and then uh, earth, wind, and fire plays outside. And then... <laughs> and, and then uh, the still small voice, but um, we think I'm the only one that's gone through anything. And then we meet somebody, and then we go, "Oh, right, there is somebody that's where that person will never use their legs again, and I'll walk. That person will never think straight again. And I can think. You know, that person will never use their arms again, and I can use my arms. I might have cancer, and I might have metal in my spine." But those people are worse off than I am. And so it made me, uh, the perspective was really good. So I think that's important with community, is that we, we all share uh, together in, with our hurts, with our pains, uh, with our difficulties. And when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. So. We've been talking for a while. What questions did you come here with that we mm -hmm. haven't talked about? What's that? You asked Mario when we were talking about the, the, uh, the difficulties spouses have, and uh, I think it's remarkable. Well, so what I don't want to get come across is that our life is perfect. 
It is perfect because I'm married to a wonderful woman. But the I get cranky, <laughs> right? Um, and I never talk about she's just perfect all the time. So, but um, but uh, so we have our times of where we go through things, right? We have our times where we we um, we do struggle, but we don't live there. And that's one of the things that I think we've learned over the years is that we, um, uh, we've learned how to be ducks and let the water flow off our back. Um, and uh, sometimes the pain is there for you know, a couple of days or maybe a, a few hours where um, I might say something that, that two seconds later I go, no, before it hits our ears, I'm trying to get it back. <laughs> Um, but so over the last eight years, there's been times where it's been really stretched and difficult, and then there's been times where um, it's just been really, really good. And I think that's just because, like, we didn't have our first fight as a couple until what three years into our marriage, six years into our marriage. See, we're even fighting about that now. Six years into our marriage, we didn't we didn't have a fight. So. Um, we just were very, she's very good natured and I was um, a lot more agreeable than I am now because like I said, I get, I get cranky. Um, but, um, but I was uh, a lot more easygoing. And, um, and so I've had to learn um, and, and she's had to learn uh, our personalities over again and try to, and then with God's help, try to learn how to mess manage that together and put that back together again and but it's the lord um that takes care of us and the devil wants everything he wants to do everything he can to destroy not just our marriage but all marriages um and i think he's doing that with the culture right now with with all the the um lgbt plus a million other letters you know the whole alphabet um trying to destroy what God had made perfect. And so um, uh, he does. He tries to come to us, whispers in the ears and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, God wins. God's in control. And so, um, so we have to uh, have that mindset where, yeah, I don't like this person right now, but I'm going to give that to the Lord, and then I'm going to come back when I'm a little cooler and move on. You know, we, we learn not to be historians in our relationship, you know, like, but back here you said, <laughs> so we've learned kind of to do, not to do that, even though it hurts, you know, even though it hurts, um, but we've learned to say sorry and, and move on, so, yeah. Another, is there another question? Yeah. 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 Every six months. <laughs> the, the the question for the sake of the oh, broadcast okay. is: Do you have times that you relapse into depression? Does, does the darkness come back? Absolutely. Yeah. It it definitely. So, a friend of mine who um, who's just been an ardent supporter, like day one. So we've always learned that if um, if someone comes into the church 
And two weeks later, they're saying, you're the greatest teacher that God has ever given. I mean, Moses was nothing compared to you. you know, and, and we're learning, oh, that person will never, they'll end up hating us after about two months. And it almost always happened. But this one guy, he, uh, at another church that we were, I was speaking at, um, he just latched onto us, him and his, uh, his kind of, I don't know, we didn't know what the relationship was, but they were just always close to each other, and, and they ended up getting married, um, which was really cool. I got to be a co-officiant um, at that wedding. It was really neat. But um, he, he said to me one time in tears, and I just, I love this guy, and he said to me one time in tears, and he said, um, he said, Steve, what, What's different about you is that it's not that you're giving a testimony of what happened, but you're giving a testimony of what is happening. And he said, I don't get that. How do you get up there? How do you get up there? And how do you stand and teach that? How do you do that? It's impossible. And so, yeah, I would be lying to say that, hey, it's all done. I'm good, right? No, I'm, I'm not always good. Um, but I'm not to the point where I was, I'm taking a knife out or anything like that. So that's not. But I, I don't get to that spot. But I do get those times of, of um, anxiety and like what's going to happen. And um, like I said, the process is the issue. Um, dying, man, if I could be with the Lord, I'm praying the rapture happens just before the cancer gets worse. You know? <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I just I want to see um, uh, want to see Jesus. Um, but at the same time, if is that does that mean pain? Does that mean um, all that sort of thing? Does one of the things that's crazy about cancer too is it's um, not in every instance, but in, in mostly it's a long thing. So you get to see your death from like a steamroller coming at you across the room, and you're screaming. Aah! It's slowly coming across. And, and then it finally gets you. And that's the, that's the fear of tornadoes, right? The, 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 every time a tornado is like 50 miles away from you, the newscast is all, it's coming, you're going to die. And you're like, no. That's how cancer is. It's really like that. So um, you get that anxiety. You get that down. Um, and, and Monica's there a lot to tell me, no, it's okay. You know, calm down. Right, you're good. Don't worry about it. And stuff like that. And so, yeah, I do. But, but I also also trust the Lord. And, um, and I do go before him. I have a journal. And I, I journal. And, um, and I make sure that I'm in the word. And I'm making sure that I'm, I'm, my relationship is solid with him. And, and that helps me. So, yeah. Thanks for the question. Any, anybody else? struck me in your answer to Hector's question is, again, going back to community, the importance of authenticity. Mm-hmm. If, if we normalize around the idea we're all okay and we're always okay and the mm-hmm. answer to how are you doing is always fine because, <laughs> right. we're always, because what else would we be? Right. Then, then we don't give each other permission to suffer. We don't give each other permission to ask for help. Yes. Because why would I need help? Um, but we also don't give each other access to God's present work in our lives. Yes. 
Yes. And I mean, any testimony should be in in the in the what's the Greek? The aorist tense. It's, oh, it's yeah, past yes, work yes. with present with, ongoing yes. um, effects. Mm -hmm. um, this was me, and this is what happened, and this is what God is doing yes. in my life. Yes, and well, and so my testimony is not like I was this horrible sinner, and now I'm a, I'm a, I'm saved. That I do have that testimony, and I can share that testimony. Um, I I have a testimony of when I was a, a little boy and what happened in my childhood, um, but that's not the testimony where God has me right now. And so, yes, when I talk about a sin life, I had the sin, and it was in the, it's in the past, and, um, and right now, uh, God dealt with that in me, and now I'm better than what I was, right? And what's the old saying? I'm, I'm not quite what I want to be, but I'm better than what I was. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, yes, but this kind of thing is, uh, is a testimony, really, of, of God carrying somebody and that's I think that's important to me um, because uh, I want to hear that I want to I want to go and hear somebody say um, man I'm I'm not all the way there yet because that makes me go well I'm normal you know I'm I'm a, I'm a human being I thought I was an alien or something or I thought I was gonna get anathematized if that's a word <laughs> um, by sharing and and it turns out that in reality um, most people, that's, what that's their life. Mm -hmm. That is their life. Most people are not going, I have the victory every single day. And if they are, sometimes they're not, I don't want to say this, but they're not telling the truth, right? <laughs> but some people are, you know, some people have, have uh, those good days. And there's bad days and good days. But most of the time, we're going into a trial or we're exiting a trial. Or, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And, and we have to know how to deal with it. Like God um, uh, put Noah in a boat, you know, and he uh, and he went over the storm, and um, and sometimes uh, that's what we have to do. We have to ride out the storm. Yeah. So. And part of how God redeems that is is by being able to encourage people with the testimony of what God has done. That's, yeah. you, you were in Second Corinthians one at the beginning of service and the beginning of Second Corinthians when we go through things to encourage people who are going through things. Yeah, that old saying, that, or that, that it's really hard right there. It's because it's the consolation that we give because of the consolation that we've received. Yeah. 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 You mentioned Sandy Adams earlier, the mm -hmm. pastor of Calgary Stone Mountain. and um, I remember Sandy uh, talking about a testimony as a, as a sacred trust, a stewardship responsibility mm. because um, he said somebody needs to hear what God did in your life, yes, and and you you might not know who until you decide that you're willing to to share it. Well, you know, I think and now, so I, I hesitate to say the church because there's so many people that will say the church is not the church is not. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean you know a church out in Kansas is is really doing it. You know, we, we might be in California going, look, the church is not doing this. But, there's, but, but there's, you, you travel around and you yeah, see a lot of churches. Right, right. And so I think that, um, how can I say this? That w there needs to be, like you set aside this time, there needs to be a time set aside for, and not, not for me, a traveling person, 
um, necessarily. I'd love to. But uh, for people in the church to have a time of testimony, because, you know, what we have done with church is that it's just, it's Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, and that's great. You know, Bible study, we do need the word, and absolutely, I'm not knocking it. But it's, it, it's like we're just a, a restaurant, right? And, there's, and it's just, you're, you're feeding, like, have you ever seen the, the Disney show Wally? Where they're all laying in that thing, they're all chubby, and they're Wally, you know, that. And it's like, that's, that, that is a lot of Christians now, you know. Um, they're, yeah, they're all consumers, they're all sitting there, and, but there's no, no outlet. Well, that's not happening in the sanctuary, though, because, because those people in the sanctuary are actually going through stuff. We just don't know it, right? Uh, pastors do, because we're in their lives, you know. Um, we're the original Karens, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but we're, we're in their lives. You know, we, we go to the hospitals and things like that. But most people don't know what God's doing in the person, you know, next to them. So those times, and we did this in Fort Smith, where we would have, I think it was once every, like, six months or something like that, but we would have a time where a Sunday night was just testimony night. And so we put a mic in the center and come on up and so people would come up and they would say well you know what this is what god has done in my life over the last six months and it's amazing and we're like whoa and it gave us such community because now we know what's what other people are going through we know what to pray for them for we also know what how to take care of them you know because there was a guy that would do this in the church all the time He'd write the church a check, and he'd say, it's for um, this couple, can you? I know they don't have any money, and they need to, to take care of their kids or whatever. So here, um, I want to write this check for that. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool that you want to do that. It just comes from testimony from, from different, and those people didn't even know that right, this guy right, even knew. Right. But it, it comes from times like that of just um, getting up and giving glory to God. And, and that's, we see that in the book of Acts. You know, Paul, Paul does that. He, he comes to the church. So Four he different mu- times he tells the story. Right, and he must not have been the only one because they let him, so there must have been others, right? We just don't know about it because the Bible doesn't follow the other guys. It just follows Paul. But, but um, people coming forward to do that. Now, there is some danger because somebody can get up and teach a message or whatever, but, but uh, that's why you have the little do- gong. <laughs> Bong, okay, you're done. But, um, but, but I that's, think that's why we share, shy away from it. Is, oh, I, I might relinquish control. Yes. yes. We never really have control. We, it's, it's herding cats. That's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think so. That's important. Um, the word, the word, the word. You know, they need the word. People need the word. But also, there needs to be time where the word is working through that person and they can actually um, uh, give the testimony of what God is doing. Other questions before we wrap? No questions? I have a question over your back. Yeah. You showed the picture of uh, how it snapped. Yeah. Well, so I went in 2020 um, to Arkansas to, um, to have it done. And uh, they were going to put uh, some uh, little metal on the sides to, do, to brace it. And uh, we were all ready to go. And, um, and I was going to get up the next morning and go to surgery. And 
I called and they said, um, you're not on the schedule. You should talk to your doctor. So I said, okay. So I called up the doctor and he said, um, the office said, you need to come in. And so we met with um, our, my neurosurgeon and he said, your blood work was horrible and that if we, um, if we do this, then you're gonna, more than likely you'll die. And I told him, I said, well, I've only got one life. It's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's better than dying in pain of cancer, right? And so, and he goes, not under my knife. <laughs> he's, I'm, not, I'm not killing you. <laughs> so he's like, we're going to trust the science. <laughs> That's the first time I heard that. All of 2020 was when <laughs> we're going to trust the science. I was like, oh, man. So, um, but anyway, um, so we tried to do this thing where we, um, uh, I got a shot every uh, week no every couple weeks i think it was and um it was supposed to boost my um my blood work it's it's a little complex but but it was supposed to um to get me better and it never did and so they said uh as of right now my uh my blood work will not allow me to uh, to get it the only thing is if it became life-threatening um then they could do it emergency but that would be about it um they're not worried about my my uh ability to or my comfort I guess they're not they're not um, they're not trying to quality. keep back running the decathlons yeah they're worried about quantity not quality um, and so uh, they want me to be alive if that means I'm in a wheelchair then I'm in a wheelchair um, but uh, right now I'm walking so that's good um, so they can uh, they can open me up and undrill all the metal and then put new metal in um, who knows? Maybe in a couple of years they'll have a, a adamantium um, spine that they can just put in there, and, and I'll just be able to walk around and be all great and everything. But, um, but yeah, as of right now, there's no, there's nothing we can do. I have to wear the brace, and I, I hate it. Every, every, almost every morning I complain to Monica, oh man, I got to put my brace. On. Or she'll say, you don't have your brace on. You need to go get your brace on. Oh man, walk in there, go put the brace on. <laughs> when you close the prayer. Absolutely. Father, we come before you, Lord, and uh, we're just so grateful to you. We know that you're good, and uh, even though sometimes we go through such difficulties, I'm thinking of Psalm 107, the first part of the psalm where um, it's the four different um, ways that a person can get in trouble. It's uh, the circumstance just happens, or we make the mess, uh, or just an average day that just things happen in the sea. But, um, but Lord, uh, we know that things go crazy. However, they become that way. But you're good. You're still good. And we know that we can go to you. And we know that we can trust you. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful to you that you were willing to go through that pain, that you were willing to put the shame upon yourself so that we could have new life, that we can have our sins forgiven. And, and then the resurrection proves that we will be able to be with you forever, all those who trust in you. So Lord, we thank you. We look forward to what you're going to do in the future. Uh, we thank you uh, for healing that you're going to do. 
Um, the, all the people that I've talked to while I've been here, Lord, um, so many stories I've heard, and it's just amazing. I want to lift those up to you and pray that you would be with them. You'd bring healing. You'd bring emotional healing, spiritual healing. Uh, Lord, that you would um, bring comfort to them. And uh, you love these people, Lord. You love these people in Wichita. And you care about them so much. You gave them a, a pastor that loves them, and a pastor's wife that loves them. And, and so, Father, I just ask you that you would continue a great work here in this fellowship. And we look forward to great things that you're going to do here in this place. Thank you so much, God. Um, be with us the rest of this night. Help us to have a good night. Sleep and get lots of rest and, uh, so we can do more for you in the coming weeks, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I meant to say it earlier, the website is stage4ministries.com. Yes. That's right. That's right. Have a blessed evening, everyone online. Good night. All right, yeah, God bless you.